0: Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast. We said we had something special up our sleeve, something a little different than just the day-to-day stuff, and this is the launching of our, what are we going to call it, the podcast profile series where EA and I go into a bit of a deeper dive on a handful of players, and today we got Corey Davis. The episode is about Corey Davis. We got his high school coach, Ron Muhich. We got his college coach, P.J. Fleck. I'm sure people have heard of P.J. Fleck before. And this is going to be a real fun series.
1: Really enjoy doing these because every person, every player has their own unique story. And I think over the course of this series, people are going to find out a lot about these players, maybe that they hadn't known before or maybe they had known on the surface level. But like you said, I think that is an apt description. This is a deep dive.
0: And with Corey Davis in particular, I think we got to set the table with this. We'll start with Muhich. We'll go to P.J. Fleck because that's that's the chronological order of his life. And for those who don't know, Corey Davis in high school lived with another family Mm -hmm. when he blew up as a football player on the field. And the Griffin family took him in and
1: the Graham family
0: oh well I was getting confused (laughs) so the Graham family okay the Graham family took him in right and Muhich talks about him or that dynamic a little bit and Corey lived in with another family his older brother Titus who we'll talk about in a little bit and you'll hear coach Muhich talk about Titus who also was a jet wearing 84 so I I just feel like the Corey Davis story when he was coming out in 2017 out of Western Michigan. I mean, that was a really cool story that that made the news. And to hear PJ Fleck talk about it and Ron Muhich talk about it, it just feels like it's a cooler story than even meets the eye.
1: Well, I think it takes a village uh, to raise somebody. It's not just a set of parents or it's not just uh, your immediate friends and family. Sometimes you need extra help. And this is a reminder there's a lot of good people out there who are looking to help young people out in their development because Corey Davis and his family, they had struggles. So the Graham family takes him in, and he had some academic problems early on in his career, but he got his grades up, eventually got that scholarship to Western Michigan, um, and obviously is now in the National Football League. But, uh, yeah, that really says a lot about Corey, and the family itself because you're taking somebody in and making them part of your family and then Corey, a lot of people i think might who are young who are adolescents they might resist something like that that kind of change but he flourished and that speaks to the character that he has
0: yeah i can't imagine doing what Corey davis said i mean that must be really tough to know that it was a better situation for him in the long run to live with a different family than his parents. I mean, that, especially being a high school student, I mean, that must be extremely difficult. And Corey on the field followed in his brother's footsteps, Titus. Titus was a fantastic athlete. He played at Central Michigan. That's right. And then Corey, a couple of years younger, I believe he was a sophomore when Titus was a senior. And once Titus graduated and left to Central Michigan, that's when Corey moved in with the Graham family. And then... His days at Wheaton Warrenville South High School, it ended up being two pretty good seasons for Corey.
1: Well, we're going to listen to it in a second, but you talked to Coach Muhich, and he said the guidance counselor was driving into school one day and they saw Corey walking, and he grew up in Illinois. And two hours, I mean, two miles to school, two miles back. And the old story. That folks will tell is that, yeah, in my day, I used to walk to school uphill (laughs) four miles in the snow and stuff like that. It was uphill both ways. But I don't know if it was was under the spotlight until guidance counselor sees, oh, look at what Corey's doing just to get to school every day.
0: Right. And we've heard when Corey Davis signed with the Jets, all we heard from... Joe Douglas, Coach Sala, and even Coach LaFleur is about Corey Davis' work ethic and how much he loves ball. We had Teron Davenport on the podcast. He talked about it, too, who covers the Titans for ESPN NFL Nation. He was talking about Corey's work ethic and just I think that one story that you detail that, again, Coach Muhich will detail, that is Corey Davis to a T. And he's earned his way to, what, his second contract now here with the Jets? And, you know, without – spilling any more of the beans here. Let's hear from Coach Muhich. Coach, how would you describe Corey as a high school kid and when did you first meet Corey?
2: Corey was in our program in the uh, uh, 2009, 10, 11, and 12 seasons, and uh, he was a uh, young athlete that – we saw a lot of talent in. He was a track athlete, uh, in in uh, as well with sprints and uh, for our track team. So we knew we had some talent there, we knew that we had some uh, <clears throat> some. Uh, all we had to do was get him bigger. He was a uh, he was very small or lean, I would say, as a uh, youngster coming into the program. Uh, and then what you see now has really obviously uh, blossomed into a. Tremendous athlete.
0: What about off the field? What was Corey like?
2: <clears throat> Corey was Corey was a quiet kid, uh, very, um, very much a part of a, a family that we had come through the program in athletics. Uh, his his brothers played for me and our school and were very successful. Uh, so, <clears throat> being the youngster in the family. Uh, I'm sure he captured a lot of uh, of uh, wisdom and role models from his older brothers that, uh, you know, allowed him to grow into the program and grow into to the success that he has been this, up to this point.
0: I'm glad you mentioned Corey's family because Corey talked to the New York media and said that Titus was one of his idols. He was his idol growing up. So Titus was obviously a very good player for you. Did you know about Corey through Titus first, or did that even predate Titus?
2: Uh, Both of those boys came through our, our summer camps, you know, and the, and the youth programs that you, uh, that you support as a high school program, Uh, his quarterback, uh, and his buddies that he played youth football with, with were very successful in our youth program and uh, i know that corey particularly uh played at a high level in youth football uh titus uh his his brother that was was just as successful in high school force but um uh interestingly probably had a uh a very, very successful college career, and uh, had a couple of attempts and, and uh, trials in the NFL himself, and, and was you know on a couple of teams uh, as, a, as, a, as a player, and went to the highest level as well. So both of these boys, Titus in particular, and Corey, uh, have been very successful stories from our program.
0: Could you tell how close they were in high school?
2: Yes, um, you could see that uh, Corey really uh, enjoyed Titus's example. Uh, Titus again was a um, a late success story for us. He was an all. Uh, both of the boys were track athletes. Uh, Titus went down state in, uh, in a long jump as well as some sprints. Uh, so, you know, I, I found that there their relationship was, uh, you know, pretty much uh, a quiet family relationship. But I know that uh, Corey idolized Titus as an older brother and in, in doing so had a great role model on him. Titus led our 2009 and 2010 uh, state championship teams as a wide receiver. And he was he was phenomenal, a uh, big playmaker for us uh, as a wide op. Which led him to uh, great days at uh, and record-setting days at uh, Central Michigan, uh, as well as uh, you know his opportunities to get into the NFL.
0: So when Titus went to Central Michigan, the 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 two-year difference there, Corey was then entering his junior year, which is coincides with the time that he moved in with the Graham family. Was there any indicator to you that that may happen, or did that come as a surprise to
2: you? Well, both both Titus and Corey were uh, assisted by families in our community that helped them in so many ways. And uh, the Hall family with Titus and uh, the Graham family with Corey – you know we're we're extended family uh, members to their to their stories and to their help uh, getting educational assistance and just support that uh, I think uh, both of the boys needed at the time coming through high school uh, that uh, really probably assisted them in being uh, very successful making that next step into the college uh, college level.
0: So when Corey moved in with the grams at 16 years old and he made that choice, what, what do you think that says about Corey Davis, the person having that foresight and knowing that it may hurt, but it's what's best for him and his future in terms of football.
3: Well,
2: Corey, you know, my favorite story of Corey is when his guidance counselor came to me and said, coach, uh, I'm going to tell you right now Corey Davis walks to school every day along with uh, people my age that tell that story and over again you know we walked two miles to come to our our destiny uh, we didn't drive our cars uh, back in the day but uh, I would tell you Corey's story is very true and uh, he he walked uh, to school and, and in Illinois you know the winners can be uh, rather similar to your New York weathers. So we had many examples of uh, ways that that young man proved himself over time uh, to take the path probably uh, less traveled by others and not as easy as others. But uh, he did a great job of, uh, you know, learning from those families and I think learning from uh, his his circumstances that, uh, you know, Life had a challenge for him, and if he was going to be great, which he is, uh, he'd have to work for it.
0: You mentioned learning of Corey's story that he walked to school every day. Can you take us back then, and what was your reaction at the time, and how did you kind of take him under your wing and go from somebody that needed academic help to finally receiving a scholarship from Western Michigan?
2: Well, we went from that story, uh, his guidance counselor was very fond of the fact that, uh, you know, he he was, um, he noticed him walking that day. And that's how he alluded that uh, information to me and in, in telling me those things. Uh, you know, you never know your stories of, of kids' uh, opportunities to get to where they need to get to and the care that they're getting at home and so forth. Uh, you try your best to be involved with that, but uh, obviously, uh, that's a tall duty. But uh, we did find that uh, Corey needed some assistance in his in his school his school uh, prep and stuff like that because he wasn't getting that uh, necessarily on his own. And the Grams provided that assistance to him and uh, provided the resources to to supply that for his his high school years to get him. Uh, eligible and back in you know into in the COVID world, uh, NCAA is, uh had to make changes themselves. Back in that day, NCAA was very uh, stringent on requirements and and uh, entrance exams and and meeting qualifiers that make you eligible to get a scholarship. Uh, which leads to the story of recruiting, you know, and as a high school guy. Uh, we see colleges across the country come in our building, sit in my office, and we talk just like we're talking today about the kid. And they want to know more about the person uh, that they see on tape and understand if that person's uh, a risk to them in their future or as a person that they can work with. And I at every college that... Um, Corey was receiving those academic assistances that he needed from the Graham family uh, in his schoolwork and his counselors uh, and the extra things that uh, he needed to get that support around him. And then uh, you know the one guy that that listened to me um, to no surprise is PJ Fleck from the University of Minnesota who happened to be an Illinois uh, high school athlete himself, a successful athlete at uh, Northern Illinois, and then on to the NFL. And PJ was a kid that back then as a coach got it. Um, You know, he's the guy that would look me in the eye and say, coach, I understand your story. And I understand Corey's story. And uh, he stepped out on that limb to give him that opportunity uh, for a scholarship at Western Michigan and uh, saw the potential in a, in a young athlete that uh, Corey had had some injuries his junior year. So, he really um, came into his talent level, I thought, the summer between his junior and senior year in all of our seven-on-seven seven competitions, he was wild, coaches. So, all of a sudden, uh, a kid that had a, an injury actually off the track season, Uh, as a relatively unknown, became a marketable athlete. And then the other uh, side of the coin had to be the fit academically for the NCAA. So we worked very hard with him, uh, as well as the Grams, to supply that uh, support. And Corey, to his credit, uh, did the work and met the requirements. And uh, P.J. Fleck, to this day, thanks me for uh, convincing him that that was a risk well taken.
0: (laughs) I'd say so. A very good risk well taken. Coach, you mentioned Corey putting in the work. Everyone we've spoken to has raved about Corey's work ethic. So I figured you can kind of talk about his work ethic. In high school, both on the field and off the field, was that something that you could sense early from Corey, or is that a trait that was developed in high school and now carries with him to this day?
2: Yeah, I think that I think that uh, you know, in any high school athlete, you you don't see the finished product as a coach, um, and the ones that you usually see the finished product when they're a senior, uh, they don't go on to greatness, you know, sometimes. Um, I think the uh, story of Corey was that his potential, uh, we were all self-evident that that was going to be there. But, um, you know, the, the the dynamics of his play was he could run a reverse for me, he could run the football, he could, he was taller receiver type back in the day when that was becoming a uh, criteria for receivers. Um, obviously, taller than uh, Titus, is his older brother. But he had uh, the ability to high point catches and and uh, that long stride of his, which was good for for track, um, you know, just had to be garnered into a to what the uh, college receiver criterias are in the in the future. And I think you know pj p j. was that kind of a kid himself, an undersized receiver uh, who had to work extremely hard. so, I can't take all the credit for Corey's success. I I, I just take credit that we did uh, the right things to help him get to that next step, and um, you know the rest is history. Uh, Western Michigan did a just a phenomenal job at turning that program around uh, and making Corey a featured element of their of their success, particularly in his uh, record-setting uh, you know wide receiver stats that. Um, that I'm sure you guys have. He became an instant uh, marketable uh, moment for for Corey. And just talking about taking next steps is that draft day. I'll never forget sitting there watching the draft and, uh, you know, you're talking about, we were talking about the Chicago draft of number two at that particular market that year, 2017. And the next thing you know, you're looking at the bottom of the screen and you see this scroll that says Tennessee takes wide receiver Corey Davis before it was even announced. And um, we were sitting in our our principal's uh, basement along with several other guests, Uh, you know, and that was a highlight moment for us to see him uh, go that high in the draft. And again, um, Tennessee took a risk. Uh, to, to take that step and to make that commitment, but Corey surely had the, uh, the evidence coming out of his career at Western Michigan and uh, I think has led him to, uh, you know, he's still getting successful. I, I, I think the best years of him are still to come. Um, he is very much uh, turned into a to a young man that with that's even stronger than he was back in high school. Physically stronger, you can just see it. Uh, he did a summer camp for me last uh, last summer with young kids, uh, kind of giving back to the community, and uh, you could see uh, his talent uh, and the physical talent that he is he has grown into and changed into. So. You know, it's fun as a coach to see that growth from start to, you know, to finish as a high school coach, Uh, but the credit's got to go to Corey. I mean, you know, kids like that, they work hard for what they get, and he surely has, you know, he, um, you know, my one question to him was, um, you know, when I got to stop and put the mic in my hand and ask him the questions in front of probably 500 kids that attended that camp. Uh, you know what's what's the difference uh, in the NFL versus all the other catches you made in college and all the catches you made in high school? And his comment was very uh, uh, intuitive I thought that uh, he mentioned that every every catch is contested in the NFL and that is the difference on learning how to make the tough catch. Uh, when the best of the best of the game are playing DB against you and, and the best of the quarterbacks are under pressure to get the ball thrown to a target. And sometimes that target is a halo above your head and you just got to go up and get it. So he's become that kind of, I think, believe he really is that kind of a receiver. Uh, I think you'll find that uh, if he gets more targets, I believe you're going to see some really, really good results Uh, in your market uh, up in New York.
0: Coach, you mentioned Corey coming back and being a part of your summer camps. For a kid to make the best out of humble beginnings and then come back and give back to the community where it all started and to be a part of your summer camps where it started for him on the field, what does that mean to you and what does that say about Corey?
2: Well, it means a lot to, to, to us as coaches because when they see a kid um, take it to the highest level, and you're a young you're a young uh, player coming up in the community, and you know that the T-shirt that you were given uh, actually has his name on it, uh, and that's something that you're going to have it in, in your house for a long time and probably wear for a long time. I think that's um, that's one of those idle to connection of a youth football kid that uh, every kid that wants to be successful in football needs uh, a role model like that. So I think that was kind of kind of great that Corey took the time, basically initiated it to, to set it up with me to so that we could host it at our school. So the complete cycle of of where he started and where he came. Um, I thought was very meaningful to the kids that attended that camp and the parents that supported that. So now you take that to um, what has he learned and, and uh, you know, I think he's a type of kid that's giving back to uh, as many of the uh, resources that he can to other endeavors and avenues that uh, he as a professional athlete uh, chooses to support and I think that, um, you know, Corey's, Corey's personality is still very humble. I think you're going to find, uh, you're going to stick a mic in front of him and you're going to have, you're going to ask the question several times to get an answer out of him because he's a very humble kid. Uh, and that goes a long ways, I think, in the NFL, as being a type of kid that, you know, you want to be proud of.
0: Coach, one final question for you, just trying to tie it all together here. You mentioned Titus's stints in the NFL. Two of them actually came with the Jets, where, of course, Corey now signed. Knowing their relationship in high school and even before that, how much do you think it means to Corey that he will pick up his NFL career where Titus essentially left off and potentially wear the same number?
2: That doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think that's uh, pretty typical of what a, what a younger brother would do uh, to support his, his older brother. And, uh, you know, those two were tight. Uh, it was very evident to me as we lost Titus this year, it was a pretty tragic story for him and his family. And you know our community, so that was hard. That was hard, and I think uh, Corey did the very best he could. It was it was probably frustrating for him down the stretch of Tennessee. Uh, you know, he came so close to being a thousand yard uh, receiver uh, for the first time in the NFL, and I can't can't help the feel that some of those last couple of games that was heavy on his heart. He's a young um, He's a young husband. He's a young father. Uh, So he had a lot going on his plate in 2020. And uh, hopefully that can, you know, can stabilize him a little bit, give him a chance to be, you know, the premier receiver that I think uh, New York's hoping he he can be for them. Um, You know, Tennessee had the luxury of having two really quality wideouts uh, on the same team, and every team needs needs that to be successful. Um, so as you build your program in New York, you know, I, I'm i following the ESPN uh, chatter all the time as well. And I know that uh, New York's trying to find uh, their decision about uh, QB, but they're also trying to find their decision about a possible uh, additional wide out or two to to make your, your offense even more potent. So I think you got a great one in Corey Davis. Um, I think the world of him as a person, uh, as a, as a player, and as a representative of our program, I think he's going to, he's going to do well for New York. And I think that, uh, you know, he's, he's a kid that's going to surprise you, uh, targeted with a little bit more um, effort uh, by the offense to, to, you know, show him what he can do
0: coach thank you so much for your time really? We, we really appreciate it and hopefully we can get you up in new york in the regular season
2: you know i've i've been to many nfl arenas and new york is, has not been one of them so i'm anxious to get there and see him play
0: all right well hopefully we'll see you in the regular season coach thank you so much appreciate the time
2: you're welcome thank you
0: great stuff from coach muhich and now let's turn the Turn the table i guess turn the page that that was the word i was looking for let's turn the page to college because we it was kind of detailed that corey didn't have a lot of scholarship offers in comes pj fleck first year head coach and you spoke to pj fleck and he had great things to say about Corey davis
1: Uh, outstanding interview by the way with muhich um and i love that corey goes back oh yeah to school and one thing that stood out to me and i think this is a great reminder for kids out there Corey said, what's the difference in the National Football League? And Corey Davis said, every catch is contested in the National <laughs> Football League. And that's one of the reasons why he's here, frankly, because he gets after the contested ball, and he's a physical receiver.
0: Uh, 6'3", but 209 is a pretty good size. Big dude, catches. and what we just found out
1: was he originally, before he started playing football, he was involved in track, like his older brother,
0: Titus. right. Yeah, you know, Titus was a superhero. Yeah. Right. Like I was the guy he, he looked up to growing up and Titus tragically passed away last season. And I think it means a lot to Corey to be with the Jets where Titus had a couple stints wearing the same number that Titus, Titus wore 84, I believe, his whole life, which is why Corey did the same at high school in college, and now in the NFL.
1: Yeah, and I think we got to talk about Titus a little bit later, but you mentioned P.J., how it's all connected, right? P.J. Fleck, when he was hired at Western Michigan, he was 31 years old. That's crazy. (laughs) He wasn't even 32 yet, and he had to rebuild from the ground up. Right. He had a great relationship with the head coach at Wheaton Warrenville South, Mewich. And he said, I got a guy. You got to come see him. And P.J. Fleck went there, saw Corey Davis, and said, yeah, we got to start the program with somebody like this.
0: Right, and Corey Davis, he, he had an extremely good collegiate career, right? He was over the 1,000-yard mark 2014. 2015 and 2016 2013 as a freshman he had 941 yards and six touchdowns he had double digit touchdowns 2014 to 2016 in order he had 15 12 and then 19 touchdown catches his senior year in 2016 the year that he became or then became the number five overall pick in the nfl draft
1: not bad for a two-star recruit recruit that's, that's a two-star recruit that's crazy
0: that's yeah. the way that's We're not way talking about works, three,
1: four about three, four, five star, you know, talking about a diamond in the rough and PJ. I think what helped Corey and PJ Fleck was Fleck played the position right. and he got a cup of tea or a cup of coffee in the national football league with the San Francisco 49ers before he started his NFL coaching career. So, I mean, as a college coaching career. So he knew exactly what he was looking for.
0: Obviously PJ Fleck is a very talented coach. He's now the head coach at Minnesota. But how much do you think Corey Davis means to P.J. Fleck, especially because you mentioned it. He was 31 years old, going into his first year at Western Michigan. He casts a line, and it's Corey Davis, the number 5 overall pick. I mean, that has to really – Corey Davis must mean a lot to P.J. Fleck. Yeah,
1: you take a special interest in somebody like that, you know, considering Corey's upbringing, his background – what do he had to go f- through just to get qualified for college. And then he comes to Western, and you're talking about a program that in their first year, they won't want one in 11. By the time Corey Davis left Western Michigan, they went undefeated. They went undefeated before losing in the bowl game. And he became one of the most accomplished college receivers
0: of all time, if, in
1: terms of numbers, like yeah. you just mentioned.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look on Wikipedia and you look at the career highlights and awards section in terms of college, first-team All-American, the Mac Offensive Player of of the Year, three-time first-team All-Mac, Mac Mac Freshman of the Year, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl MVP. I mean, Corey Davis' resume in college is very impressive, which is why he became the number 5 overall pick to the Tennessee Titans before – then coming to the New York Jets. And also, just real quick, retracing our steps here in terms of Wheaton-Warrenville South. Yeah. You might think you know, Corey Davis is probably one of the most famous alum to come out of there. Well, the most famous alumnus, Red Grange, Galloping Ghost. The, the
1: Galloping Ghost. So Corey's got a, what is he, the Galloping Jet?
0: Yeah, I like that. Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> we might have just come up with a new nickname for Corey, but I, I think we should hear from P.J. Fleck right now, and then we can talk about what Corey Davis means to this Jets offense on the flip side.
1: P.J., can you talk about how you were first introduced to Corey Davis and why you took a special interest in him?
3: Yeah, well, I, I had just gotten done being the wide receiver coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, took the job at Western Michigan. I was 31, turning 32 years old, took over a program. hadn't won a championship since 66 and 88, 1966 and 1988. So we knew we had to rebuild from the ground up. And uh, with my background in wide receivers, that's the only thing I've ever coached. That's what I played in college. We knew we had to be able to start with some type of playmaker. Uh, And we went to Wheaton Warrenville South High School, uh, where I had a really good relationship with Ron Muhich, who was the head football coach there, Hall of Fame Illinois High School football coach. And, you know, the the, the first five phone calls I made were to basically the five head coaches in Illinois where I'm from that I know the best. And I remember Ron Muhich telling me, hey, I got a guy that doesn't have any offers that should have a lot of offers. You got to come look at him. And, you know, this is three weeks before signing day. You don't have a lot of time. Uh, Went in there, met Corey. Uh, He had a lot of work to do academically. But I looked at him, and I was like, wow. (laughs) And immediately, wow. We're talking about a two-star recruit, no offers. And I'm sitting there thinking, something's wrong with this picture. Uh, And then I spent a lot of time with Corey, just like you would in planning a draft. And I spent a lot of time with him and, uh, and his family. And really just said, you know, this is a guy that fits me perfectly. This is a kid who's going to be able to accomplish his dream. He needs a chance. He needs a support system. Uh, He needs everything that our culture is about. And it it, it turned out to be a wonderful marriage. Uh, He's one of the best human beings I've ever met. One of the hardest workers I've ever been around. And when your best players end up being your hardest workers, uh, that's when you have team success, not only individual success. So I was really, really happy to hear that He signed with the New York Jets and uh, very, very happy for him.
1: Well, PJ, you said he needed a chance. He needed an opportunity. What can you talk about in terms of his upbringing and the challenges he had growing up?
3: Well, I think that's one of the strengths Corey has. I I mean, one of the number one questions I always ask players is tell me about your life from birth until now, and I want to hear the story. You know, I, I, I want the dirt. I want the mud. Uh, I, I want all the hardships and then tell me about the hardest thing you've ever been through. And with Corey, it was like a Rolodex. I mean, it was, it was like this laundry list. And every time he told me more, I fell more in love with him uh, because every time he had something very difficult in his life, he overcame it. And not only he overcame it, he became a better person uh, after it. And, and I think that's what attracted me to him because, you know, when, 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 you have a, you have a kid that big and that talented, but not having any offers and you start to hear different reasons why someone doesn't have those offers. You either can believe what other people are saying, or you can do your own homework. And we decided to do our own homework and really dive into Corey's life. And he is a special, special person uh, who is one of my all time favorites. And it's really hard as a coach to have favorites as a coach, because they're all your children. It's like your own children that you have. You don't have a favorite, but when you're talking about the type of person he is and what he's overcome, it, it, it transfers over to the football field. It transfers over what he's overcome with injuries in, in his career. Uh, it, it shows that he took a program that hadn't won a championship in, since 1988, and 1966 outright, and ended up being a top five pick in the NFL draft. And not only that, taking that team to the Cotton Bowl at 13-0, that shows what type of person he is. And he had a chance to leave early. He stayed. He's the greatest college football receiver statistically of anybody. He broke every, basically every college football record, catches, yards, touchdowns. That was important to him. And, but more important to him was the team success. And I think that's what makes him so special. But PJ, what was his situation
1: growing up with his brothers and sisters? Because. Uh, int- interesting dynamic because he actually went to live with another family, the Graham family. And can you talk about your interaction with them as well while you recruited Corey?
3: Yeah. While we recruited Corey, I had more contact with the grams than I did his biological family and, you know, but Corey, the word family, you know, it stands for forget about me. I love you. Uh, he's, he's got a big family and, but the grams really kind of took him under their wing and, had wonderful conversation with the Graham still do to this day. Uh, you know, Corey's blessed to have a lot of people in his life who love him, support him, are there for him. Uh, you know I always leave it up to our individuals, uh, our student athletes, to tell their story because nobody tells their story better than themselves. But the obstacles he had to overcome, uh, he could have been a number, he could have been a statistic, He could have quit, he could have stopped. Uh, he had every excuse in the book not to be what he is today. But he used all the things that happened in his life for fuel, not as an excuse. And I think that's what makes him really special.
1: He was quoted as saying that you harassed him. And what he meant by that, he was saying that in a positive way. Can you talk about your special interest in him, considering your background? Yes, you were the head coach there. But like you mentioned, you were a receiver. So how did you look after him during the drills and help his growth and develop a plan for Corey during college?
3: Well, I think that's, you know, it's very unique uh, to w- whatever the the position the head coach has coached the most. I think that position on the team has a very unique bond uh, with the head coach, just because that's the position the head coach knows the best. Uh, wide receivers is something I've done. I played wide receiver in college, played in the NFL, coached wide receivers in the NFL. And even as a head coach, the way we produced wide receivers, whether at Western Michigan or here at the University of Minnesota, um, we take a lot of pride in that development. And that's something that we've done, I think, at a pretty special level. Uh, whether it's been Luke Getz, our wide receiver coach, or Matt Simon, our wide receiver coach as well, uh, so they've gone on to have really good careers as well. Uh, but I, I think when you when you look at Corey, you know, my, our job, and I was an underdog, and so I had to work so hard just to keep up with people's skill set. Corey had the skill; he naturally had this. This he was born. It was gonna be born and gonna be, you know, six three, six four, two hundred and twenty pounds. But the talent of a person is what either makes or break them. the heart, the spirit, the unconquerable will, the competitiveness, the drive, the ability to outwork yourself today from yesterday. And my job as a coach is to take somebody from where they are to where they've always dreamed of being. And it's to change their best every single day and get them to want to come back tomorrow and work harder than they did the day before, which again, is, is not necessarily the easiest thing to do. So I'm not sure if it's the word harass is, is, is the best word, but, I would say drive and, and constantly uh, develop and, and constantly change and evolve. I would probably say that, you know, the, you know, the foot never came off the gas, uh, but it couldn't. If he wanted to be a top five pick and he wanted to be able to set himself up for positions like this that he's in, he was going to have to do things different. He was going to have to be able to make sure he could separate himself from the competition. Uh, and our job as coaches is to make sure that we don't settle for average. Everything he had to do was at an elite level, whether that was academics, athletics, his social life, his spiritual life. Uh, Corey is elite in all those areas. And, um, you know, it's up to us coaches to be able to hold people accountable every day for that. I think there's a lot of people say we're going to hold them accountable. And how do you do that? Um, So. We were on them every day, just like we are in all of our players, to get the most out of them uh, from their entire life. What was he like
1: in the room? You mentioned the turnaround that you oversaw there. You guys start 1-11, and then you finish undefeated that final year for Corey. What was he like to his teammates? Um, Because obviously the work ethic was there, but what kind of guy was he in the room, and how much did you look upon him for his leadership, whether that be vocal or just the way he went about his business?
3: Yeah, well, well, Corey wasn't the most vocal person uh, to start out with. Maybe the first two years, even though he was a really talented player, he wasn't very vocal. Uh, It wasn't until his third year and then his senior year, he really came on vocally. But to do that, one, you gotta trust yourself. And there was a lot of things Corey was going through and figuring out to be able to trust even himself. He believed in himself. But you got to be able to trust yourself. And that comes down to time, consistency, and proof. And to be a leader is one thing. But to be a vocal leader, and not just by your actions, takes a ton of confidence. It takes a ton of trust in yourself. It takes the ability to know that other people are going to trust exactly what you say. So he had to build that the first few years. But when he did, he gained that trust in himself. He trusted his teammates. He gained that trust from his teammates. And then he took it to a completely different level and I'm so glad he did because, I mean, he was a major factor in, in our program at Western Michigan, having the success that we had.
1: PJ, final questions. is two-parter, but it's connected. What was that moment like for you, Corey Davis being selected in the first round of the 2017 draft, number five overall? And fast forward now to what was your reaction when you had heard he'd signed with the New
3: York Jets? Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Uh, when you go back to the draft room and the green room, Uh, You know, rewind to his junior year. He was going to possibly come out early. And I remember we did all the paperwork for the NFL, did the insurance policy, did all that. And then we had a meeting with the Grams and we said, listen, we are going to support you 100 percent. Here's what the data says. And if you'd like to come out, then maybe he's a second, third round pick. But if he comes back and he has the year we think he could have and as a team, we can have the team success that we think we can have. Because the better the team did, the better Corey was going to do. And the better Corey did, the better the team was going to do. That was a natural fit on every aspect, from defense to offense to special teams. And Corey had that had that ability and, and the support system to say, listen, there's a big difference between a third-round pick or a second-round pick and a top-five or a top-ten pick. And he believed in himself that much and, and not rolled the dice because it wasn't a gamble. It was just I believe in myself that much that I can be a first-round pick because he had the size, he had the speed, he had all that. But was somebody willing to do that in the first round after his third year? Maybe not from a mid major. So he had to do it again. And he did it again. And he did it even at an elite level and really set this team to places it never been before. And to sit there and hear him be called fifth overall. And, and I had never been to the draft before, I'd never been in the green room. And it was so emotional because it, it, it's like you see his life rewind. Uh, it, it, this, this fast speed and rewind from when he was really young to when he was an adolescent to when in high school and all the things he overcame to that one moment when his name was called and it just fast forwards and rewinds so fast in your mind and here he was. And then to watch him do what he did in Tennessee and even overcome the injury and continue to keep doing it, had a great year last year when he had to, and he had a great year. That's one thing about Corey. When, when he has to, when his back's against the wall, Corey performs at his best. And a lot of people fold when that happens. So to hear that he was drafted by the New York Jets or uh, to sign with the New York Jets for his his second deal, we're so thankful. We're so excited. I mean, we have a go for Blake Cashman on the team too now. Uh, we're just so excited for New York. You're going to love Corey. Uh, he just he just had a a, a, a a newborn. So he he's so excited about being a dad. Uh, I think New York's going to love Corey, and uh, you're going to love him as much as we do. So congratulations on
1: getting uh, uh PJ, well said. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Great stuff from P.J. Fleck, and we've talked about it back and forth. We kind of weaved it in some of our uh, discussion, our back and forth here. I think it's time we talk about Titus Davis because I I said it earlier, Titus Davis was Corey's hero growing up. And where Corey grew up in terms of geographically, it's not a great area. And Titus Davis was the guy that Corey looked up to. Titus played football. Corey played football. They both wear 84. And, like I said earlier, Titus tragically passed away in the 2020 football season.
1: So there's a couple things to say here is we didn't know this until we taped this this morning that Coach Muhich mm-hmm. actually is retired.
0: Right. He he is hanging up the whistle,
1: as the article said. So I'm listening to your interview with Muhich last night, and I'm almost in tears because – the way muhich was talking about cory and titus and the way not only that he looked up to him but the way he played last season that it was heavy on his heart and he knew it and with that being said he thought that getting a thousand yards would have really meant a lot to corey mm-hmm. titus davis died of rare kidney cancer at 27 in november um you know, and it's just a reminder that nothing is promised. Nothing is promised to any of us. And here's a guy who had a couple stints in the National Football League in Titus, including out here, right at One Jets Drive, right at One Jets Drive. And you think somebody like that who you see a couple times on the field, yeah, maybe they don't make it in the National Football League, but they're going to have a long life ahead of them. Right. And, and I just – it, your heart goes out to somebody knowing that Your hero, your blood brother, the guy who you patterned yourself after, he ran track, you ran track. He played receiver, you played receiver. He was your guy, and now he's gone. Um, You could tell that really got to and I'll tell you what, that's something that Corey's going to have to deal with the rest of his life, but one thing that we saw after he signed with the Jets is that he had a necklace or a chain, and he's got uh, the, the 84 on there, right? Right. Yeah. yeah
0: I, I think doing the interview with Mew Hitch. Yeah. yeah. At first, you you're, I was doing I was asking him questions, and then the, the tightest stuff really hit him hard. Yeah. You could tell that I, I think he was really trying to, like, take his time to answer because he was getting a little choked up. It, it made, you know, me interviewing him, it made me, like, you know, take a second and Really, kind of reflect in in real time, which is you know it's hard it's hard to fathom being in Corey Davis's shoes, especially because you look at a lot of NFL players like you know they got a great life, yeah. they play football, they you know they they have an off season where they can travel, train, do all this stuff, and you know wh- when something like that happens, it really I think it really takes a lot of people and it makes you think like th- these are real life people dealing with real life situations that anybody has to deal with uh, yeah uh, well said and can you imagine what is going through Corey's mind every time
1: he's down here in the locker room and he's putting on a jet uniform he's wearing, no. wearing the green and white
0: i uh, know i i can't i've thought about that before i've tried to think about what it would mean to me yeah i mean i i feel like at it, first it's like really difficult also just think about media day that was the first time he's wearing like a game uniform right with 84 the same number that Titus war in the same place. I mean, the the connections there are are almost too real. Yeah,
1: and and every catch and his first touchdown and everything he does, you know it's going to be with a heavy heart. And with that being said, too, is that he's got, hopefully, a long life ahead of him. And Mewich talked about him being a young dad now. PJ talked about him being a young dad now. He is a father himself so four years in the national football league did a lot of good things with the tennessee titans salary cap era so you see a lot of good players on the market right jet c Corey davis out there scoop him up um humble kid a big physical dude on the outside a good catch radius a quarterback's best friend i think he's going to help you blocking on the outside as well Um, And I I just like the way he goes about his business because I think if people come away after listening to this podcast thinking a little bit about what he's been through and what kind of mentality you have to have to succeed, that points to more success along the way for Davis because various points in his life life, he could have said, you know what, it's not going to happen for me.
0: Right, and to really further this, like with the um, all the different lines that have crossed that we've laid out between Titus and whatever. Think about this: Corey Davis had a career year last year. He falls 16 yards Mm -hmm. shy of 1,000 yards, and that was in a COVID season with his brother passing away. And really, to continue the crossing lines here, Corey broke out his sophomore season, his second year in the NFL. 2018, he had 891 receiving yards. And who was the offensive coordinator at the time was Matt LaFleur, mm-hmm. the brother of Jets yeah. offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur, who had great things to say about Corey Davis. You mentioned his blocking prowess. Well, how about this? Corey Davis last season, fourth in the NFL in play action receiving yards. So receiving yards that come on a play action pass. And the Jets will have a heavy play action That, like, play action will be a heavy emphasis in this offense. And I expect him to flourish in this offense, not only, you know, as one of the receivers that the Chets have, but he right now is wide receiver one.
1: Yeah, listen, another thing that Robert Sala, Joe Douglas are trying to install here is the best culture in professional sports. P.J. Flex said of Davis, one of the best humans I've ever met, one of the best workers, I've ever been around. And the other thing that has shined through throughout his life, when his back is against the wall, that's when he performs his best. That's the guy you want in the locker room.
0: I think that is the, that quote right there, great way to sum up Corey Davis, and that's a great way to end this first episode of the podcast profile series on the official Jets podcast.